Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to Restless. When, when I taught second grade, I had this little second grade kid, this blonde-haired, blue-eyed kid who thought he was a punk. He'd always be like, yo, 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 Father Joe. Every day? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wow. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him after that. <laughs> so you, we're coming to you right out of Stanford, Connecticut. It's myself, Diane, Paul, and Carmelina, as together we young adults restlessly seek the face of God in the midst of today's crazy mixed-up world. And one of the things that's been crazy and mixed up lately has been the housing market. I don't know if that impacts any of you guys. Um, it did, but God has a plan, so. How did it, how did it impact you? Well, you know, I'm getting married this summer. We were thinking of buying and kind of, it's just, it wasn't aligning. It wasn't, it just didn't seem like it was God's will. And we noticed that it seemed like realtors were pressuring people and it just seemed like we're not so eager to buy that we were like, we're not going to do something that we feel pressured to do. So that's fair. Just roll with it. Go so, with it. So right now you rent, correct? I do rent. Nice. It's a a nice house. I'm glad I do. Oh, good. Good. Yes, I am. I'm very happy with that. Mm-hmm. Paul, however, what's your status? Um, 2021, I bought a house, um, which was exciting and stressful. Was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I had been renting a house for a couple of years with some friends. Um, and when you start living in a house and you start acquiring things, it's very hard to move from a house back to an apartment. Mm. Um, and we had a really good living situation. So... Um, so I just, and there was no rentals to be had. It was completely a dry market for the rentals. And so I bought a house. Um, you just bought it by yourself? No? Nobody yeah. Else. Well, I mean, I might, I have tenants now <laughs> as opposed to, you know, just pure roommates, I guess. We're not on, there's, I'm, I, I am their landlord. They call me Lord Paul. It's fine. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, but, but yeah, so they, so I have tenants which help pay the mortgage, but yeah, I bought it on my own, uh, technically. Nice. So it's only in my name. That's uh, a, that's a huge step. I, it is. I, I don't know. It's. It's fine. Okay. It's good. I mean, I like, I like, I I needed somewhere to live and like, I don't know. I had a weed whacker and like things like that. Like you don't even think of. That's how you know you're an adult. What? When you have have your own weed whacker. What's really interesting. So my dad gave me, cause my dad is gotten a little older and he has asthma and stuff. So he doesn't want to, they have a small piece of property, but he can't really mow the lawn anymore because he gets asthma attacks um, or could. And so he gave me a lawnmower. That was at the house, but it's actually the lawnmower that I used when I was in high school, like 15 years ago. Oh my or, or lawn. So now I'm using the same lawnmower. It's a beast. I mean, it's it's that it doesn't. So, so that's the one with, with rotating blades and no gas. You just you know. No, spins no, a, no. It was oh, not from 1920. Briggs and Stratton engine. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. I guess they went bankrupt, so it's fine. But um, <laughs> uh, they um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a beast. But it's kind of you know it was it was a little bit of like a. It was it was it was so weird because I didn't have to learn how to use like the muscle memory for a new lawnmower. It was like I hadn't mowed the lawn in 15 years or something with this particular lawnmower, and it was just like I picked right back up. Like riding, and a bike. it was kind of weird. And but it's like it's my house, um, so it was a little fulfilling, I guess. But also, I've seen your your yard. It's about the size of a postage stamp. I don't know. I, Maybe two. No, I mean I would say for Stamford, it's decent sized. I mean I have a nice backyard. So how long does it take you to, to mow the lawn? It's forty five minutes. Oh, okay, that's actually long. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought it was going to be like a fifteen minute deal, and you're no, out. no, no. I mean the the rental house that was like fifteen minutes. That was tiny. Too. That was really that was postage stamp. This this property is not bad. I think I have the largest piece of property on my block. So that's why all not of terrible. all of the parties that we used to go to at Paul's old house were in his driveway. They're in the front. They were front ne- lawn and the driveway. Never- the driveway was bigger than the lawn. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know you had lawn under there. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. So that was. Uh, so now it's better because I have a backyard, um, proper backyard. That's uh, awesome. Do yeah. you make your tenants mow the lawn? 
No, no, I do all the yard work. I actually enjoy it. It's 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 actually kind of a it's a pleasure after like being angry at work all week. It's like it's it's pleasant to actually do yard work and weed whack and weed and I got to do a bunch of stuff around the house this summer. So, well, are you still working from home? Uh, no, not completely. I've been doing like two days in the office in Connecticut, one day in New York, and then a couple days at home, which oh. is perfect. Okay, that's a really nice routine. Oh, good. Yeah, good. So it's been nice. Now, Diane, your living situation is uh, is a third type. Yes, I am living at home with my parents. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there's a stereotype with that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I didn't want to be on this episode because <laughs> 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 I thought we were condemning all those who live at home. But um, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. I mean, for me, I you know, I I work at PwC. I'm a director, and I. Um, I had crazy hours. So, I mean, ever since I got out of college, I've been there and it didn't really make sense for me to, um, you know, to be paying 2,500, 30, you know, $3,000 to, to get an apartment in Stanford. Um, given that I was, you know, like commuting and traveling a lot and staying at clients until midnight. Um, Mm. it didn't seem like a, a good, uh, use of money and you know just other personal reasons I mean we, we live in a crazy world um, you know that doesn't uh, embrace Christian anthropology it's kind of like self-defining and you know you are what you are and I would I just uh, you know it's been a personal decision to, to save that money for hopefully f- for the future and you know children and a good Catholic school you know and and things like that so yeah that's awesome yeah I love living at home can, can I ask a, a personal question? Sure. Do you pay rent to your parents? I do. Do you really? I do. Really? Oh, yeah. that's good. Hopefully yeah. less yeah. than market rate. I would hope it's less can. than market rate, but yes, nothing is free. No. So in, in, my parents have always instilled that in us. And I think that's a good distinction between those who are just freeloading yeah. at their parents' house, like living in the basement, not getting a job, you know, or those who are successful and just simply using their parents as, a, as an apartment. Yeah. And I mean... I think that we're you. You could get a roommate. I could get a roommate, but I've I've just I've chosen not to. I'm very happy, and uh, I do think it's important. Though I think we all live in community, so um, to me, I, I would much rather you know live in community than be on my own in a single room apartment. That's fair. That's fair. Mm-hmm. But you know, each different way in which we live kind of has pluses and minuses. Like, what what are the pluses and minuses that you find, Carmelina? Well, I'm act- so I I could go on and on and on because I've once I hit college, I never went back home. And the longest I think I'd stayed at home, well, actually home, it wasn't even my like, grow. the house I grew up in was during COVID when I went to see my parents for probably two months. Uh, they live in Florida. So I would say the pluses for me is that kind of being out and out of the house, It's it let me kind of grow spiritually. I mean, I had a massive conversion when I was in college and then another one when I was in grad school, a reversion back to the Catholic church. And a lot of that happened because I was like, wow, I've, my parents really sheltered me growing up and I love my parents and they're awesome. But when I was kind of in the world discovering it because I was on my own and out of the house, I saw things that I never would have seen otherwise. And it led me to experience things in the world that really led me back to God. And at the end of the day, if that's no matter where we're living in life, if that's where we're going and that's where we're headed, then I think that's the only thing that matters. So that's the massive plus for me where I think it helped me mature earlier than I would have. And it allowed me to realize what it's like to take care of myself, 
Um, you learn how messy you are when you're on your own and you don't want to live in a mess, right? So how do you be a good steward of your own belongings? How do you be a good steward of others' belongings if you're living in community? How do you deal with community around you? Because freshman year, I was in a suite of eight girls. That's a big and suite. And so, yeah, and you're spending a lot of time with them because if you play a sport, you're practicing 40 hours a week and then you're living together. So Everybody has different interests. So these were all softball All girls? softball players. Oh, my gosh. And then we were on the same floor with all the other athletes. So football players, it was co-ed, football players, soccer players. There were people from fraternities. And um, they all shared kind of common space, but we got our own room in our own bathroom. So it was that was the transition going from home my whole life in a very sheltered environment to that. And you learn a lot about yourself very quickly. Oh, sure. So, sure. yeah, a lot of growing very fast. Athletes are not known for um, sober living, shall we say. They are not, no. And you have to make decisions about what type of life you want to live. Because especially as a woman who's kind of smaller than large football players, um, it, gets, <laughs> it gets unsafe when you make probably not the best decisions, at least drinking-wise, that they're making and you're in that type of environment. So you really have to make sure you're protecting yourself and understanding what it's like to... Um, to live in that way. Now, I do say that I am happy I had those experiences because they taught me a lot. However, I don't think when I have children, I would allow that to happen. Like I would mm. push them in that same direction of ex needing to experience what I what I did. Sure, sure. Well, your kids would go to Steubenville or <laughs> something like that. Christendom. Christendom? Yes. <laughs> She's already paid the down payment. <laughs> I'm already looking at tuition. That's right. Well, in 20 years, it might be a little <laughs> higher than it is today. Oh my goodness, I know. It's we'll see. We'll see. But I think what's interesting about all three of your situations is that all three of you have roommates and or parents who form a good Catholic community. Like, was I mean, when you first moved to, to Stanford, Carmelina, did you, did you immediately have roommates that were good Catholics or did you have to seek that out? Or? No. I So Paul will tell you, he saw it. I was living, I was making like no money on an intern salary, was like, Jesus, you're leading me to Connecticut. I, I am here. I have no friends, don't know a soul, but I know you brought me here. And um, I was living with a woman who grew up Catholic, left the church, was Episcopalian. And I knew her because she was in, like, she was engaged to my one of my good friends from college. Mm. So I was living on like a cot in a studio apartment. A cot. It was literally it was a cot. It was literally a cot. Um, <laughs> in uh, what, what's it? It's um, the subsidized housing in a subsidized housing studio apartment. Oh, geez. And I was having the time of my life and I was like, I need Catholic friends now. So it pushed me right into St. John's because I could walk there and I just had to plug in to the young adult community because I didn't know anybody. And I, I'm an extrovert. I need friends. I can't sit at home and just be. So I was like, God, you brought me here. You're going to bring me community. And he did. And I was so happy because I had just come from working at a camp where we had no air conditioning. And I was living in sweatpants and in the woods and just dirty all the time, working with, you know, 14-year-old girls who didn't really like me all the time. And so I was. I went from that to, yeah, great. I'll live on an army cot for eight months in an internship. And So it wasn't that big people. of a... A downshift. I was kind of maybe a step up to be honest. Yeah. I, I mean, I grew a lot. Like it's, it was coming from a small town, leaving that to kind of a, a big city being in New York for the first time and, and even Stanford and like the city environment. It was a lot. And I learned a lot. Not Still bad. learning. Mm, yeah. yeah. Now, Paul, you have a good Catholic community though, right? It's yeah. It took a while to develop. I mean, I'm opposite. I'm quite introverted. So, um, I mean, I lived by myself for, 
I got to do math. Sorry. Uh, I had lived by myself <laughs> for about eight, eight years. So I lived two years in Brooklyn. So I had a little different situation because when I, well, it's similar to Carmelina's, but I, when I left, when I, I mean, I went to college 120 miles away. So obviously I lived in college and I'd come home for summers or whatever. Um, and then I went, um, and I moved to Brooklyn. Um, and I lived by myself in Brooklyn for two years. Um, and, uh, and that was interesting. Uh, I probably wouldn't live in the place I lived in Brooklyn again. It was nice and it was safe and quiet. It wasn't it was like, like Hell's Kitchen or anything. No, no, that's in Manhattan. But um, oh, sorry, it's okay. <laughs> Don't know. Uh, anyway, so uh, but it was far. I mean, my commute from Brooklyn to Manhattan was 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 an hour. It was nine miles and it was an hour. Oh, geez. so <laughs> that's take New a bike. <laughs> it's, it's New York, um, and uh, we have to take a bike. You have to go under the water or over the water somehow, which is a that's challenge. hard to do. You can. It's a challenge. Um, Take a bathing suit. Right. <laughs> uh, and so so I did that. And then I moved to Stanford, which was awesome. And I, I've lived in Stanford ever since. But I lived on my own for six years in Stanford. Um, and it took me a long time to develop, like, a really good Catholic community here. It probably took I – mean, I always had – there was always people. But to get, like, a really solid Catholic community, I mean, it took, I don't know, four years or something. There was quite a lull in the community until about 2018. Mm. Um, and then, you know, soon after that, we were able to come up with a group of guys that rented a house. And there was some turnover. I'm the only one original from the summer of 2019. We had two people. I was living with two guys that were both Catholic. And those guys left and other people came in and spent this revolving door a little bit. Um, and uh, But it's it's been really good. Nice. Um, it's been – I think one of the things that I try to – like, I don't want – people living in now it's my house so i can say that i don't want people living in my house that aren't that aren't my friends i'm not interested in having you know non-catholic people because for me one of the things that we we're going to get to in this episode is like what makes a home and i think it's some place where you can come into that's like a it's not to use like a woke term but it is like a safe area right <laughs> you can be your, completely yourself and talk about whatever you want to talk about and like rely on your community that you have in your home, your actual home yeah. for, for support. And, uh, and so, you know, I've tried to encourage that over time. Uh, and that's, it's really important. Um, especially for, you know, like guys, we don't do that a lot. Um, but you know, when we get the beer flowing a little bit, it's much easier. <laughs> <laughs> or for me, I, I force feed everyone wine. Um, but it's I'm been, sure they're not in opposition to that. <laughs> no, I have bye bye good wine. Um, so, uh, so that's been, that's been really good. Uh, for the past uh, well three years now, we've been living uh, have some sort of roommates. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, you know, I I had because I went to uh, st- not only went to Steubenville, but I was part of the pre-theologate program there. So mm-hmm. so all of my roommates in college were men discerning the priesthood, and then I went to seminary. So I never had that experience of you know having to seek out like that that good Catholic community. I was kind of always surrounded by it. Mm. But I'd imagine that would be tough if you know if your roommate is you know sleeping around and has a girlfriend over, and you're kind of like this is awkward and not okay. Yeah, I mean, I was, yeah. So I, I could totally hear what you're saying. You're just finding that that the people that you're not only compatible with, like personality-wise, but yeah, also your your worldview. Yeah, and there was really no like eligible candidates to be my roommate until probably 2018 or 19. Yeah, to be honest. Sure. And sure. So that's the way it worked out. But God's that's provided fine. some some really good guys. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so we'll see what happens. It's you know, it's not a permanent situation. So, but um, that's the story right now. And of course, you have you know the, the set set community of your parents who you've known for a very long time. Yeah, um, I mean, <laughs> in fact, they're great, the, but they're they're not that social. I mean, I definitely like Carmelina and Paul. I think. I mean, uh, in, I really struggled when I got out of college. There was no community in Stanford, and so really, it was when Father Andy, a younger priest from the diocese, came to St. John's, and you know he started doing Faith on Tap and. 
um, you know, would invite some of us over to the rectory. And then me and three other girls started a, a Catholic uh, young adult group that grew pretty, pretty big and people just moved in to Stanford. So, I mean, I really had to seek it out and, and do a lot of work in terms of setting up events to get people together, you know, because Faith on Tap was only at that point once, once a month. And that's not an, I mean, there was a desire in our hearts to commune with people more often than that. Um, and, you know, even to this day, like after Sunday mass at St. John's, like we all go to coffee or we go to brunch together, a huge group of people. I mean, it's, it's awesome, but you do have to seek it out. And, um, I don't, I don't necessarily get that at home, but I do get the support of my parents who help me, you know, through difficult emotional situations and, and, you know, <laughs> tough breakups. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just are there to listen and just like there, there is that, you know, they're awesome parents and they both image God, you know, in, in their feminine and masculine ways. And I think if I, I'm very blessed to have such, um, uh, such awesome parents that, um, yeah, have, I mean, to Carmen's point, have helped me in terms of like just spiritual growth and all that. Well, I think you make a great point about the needing to be intentional in seeking out Catholic community. Yeah. Because especially if one lives at home, um, really, really, where everyone lives. I mean, Carmelina, you made that point that, you know, you're, you're searching for it. Oh, yeah. I have forced to search my way in. I was in New York City every night just trying to meet Catholic people and in a thriving community. Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people kind of expect it to fall into their lap, you know, because no. especially if you know if you've been involved in a high school youth group or something that in high school you know, or Catholic high school where it's just surrounding you, you never had to really seek it. Yeah, then it's much tougher because because no one wants to be that that awkward person like walking into a room you don't know anybody and. Yeah, but I mean, you get you kind of but like when you move to a new area, you just kind of do it. Yeah, you have you, to. If you do it, it's you really hard. I remember when I moved to Brooklyn, I was looking for a Catholic community, which I didn't know there was such a thing as Catholic young adult things. Like that was a foreign concept because I had been mostly with like the Protestant group at my campus because the Catholic group wasn't particularly welcoming, at least not to me, mm. for whatever reason. Um, so I hung out with the Protestants. Also my roommate, like by happenstance or by providence, whatever. Um, <laughs> like he, he happened to be part of the, the, like very active in the Protestant group. So that's where I fell into. Um, but when I left, so I just figured that like, oh, if there's that at a college campus, there must be that outside of it. But it, but I'm in New York City. There's eight million people here. There must be something. There yeah. must be some young. You think there's course, some Catholics among eight million? Right, right. And so it's like, well, actually, there's like hundreds and hundreds of young adults in New York. And I found the group in Brooklyn um, that that I really connect. But I remember I, I emailed somebody. They were doing the Jeff Cavins Bible study, and I remember I just emailed them randomly, like, I'm gonna come on Sunday night. I'm new. I don't know anybody, and it was awesome. Oh, and good. I still like I'm godfather to two of those guys' children today that oh, were nice. there that night in back in like January of 2013. So wow. it's really cool. Um, but again, it's walking into a room I didn't know anybody. Yeah, it was really challenging. And these people, I didn't like. This is New York. Like these, these are New Yorkers. <laughs> in fact, they're all not from New York. <laughs> oh, so they're, yeah, all they're all from outside all of New York. So, um, but then one of the the pe- person who led that actually lived in Hamden, Connecticut, so one town away from where I grew up. Oh, perfect. And it was like, okay, now we're making connections, and it was pretty. It was pretty cool. So nice. Um, that person actually lives in Stanford now and goes to St. John's. So really small world and stuff. So oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. So you brought up the question I was going to ask next. How do you make your house a home? Mm. You know, because you've got a house, you got an apartment, and you got your room, which probably hasn't changed much. Although you've you've probably redecorated it. No, no, it looks no, exactly like it did when you were basically a child. I think my mom might have changed out the curtains or something. But my yeah, childhood, my childhood bedroom is a museum. 
the music. It like, hasn't changed. Like, hasn't like a, a minute. It hasn't changed at all. Oh, my parents have moved twice, so. Okay, yeah. My I parents inherited every piece of thing that I ever owned in my entire life when I moved to Connecticut. So. Do you still have it, or did you toss most of it? Um, I have it. Oh, do you? But I got rid of most of it. I'm not. I'm pretty detached from things. Like I don't like stuff, so it wasn't a big deal. But um, I, to answer your question, I I think that home. What makes a home, I think, is self-gift. That was your question, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's self-gift. Absolutely. Because especially living in community where people, we're, we're flawed, right? You see this in religious life too. So I was just turning religious life for a bit too. And I learned how to love through that because you see just this desire to give oneself in every way possible without the expectation of return. And I think that's what makes a home because when you're able to give freely of yourself to others, whether, and it can be through simple things. It's like, wow, I just emptied the dishwasher like five times this week. I guess I'm doing it again. <laughs> or I made this huge meal and my roommate is standing there looking at me and didn't go grocery shopping. Let's share. And it's this expectation to just give and give and give of oneself without any sort of expectation of return, because I think that's where charity is and that's where love is. Mm. And when you're able to give without expectation and to give of yourself and your time and understand that people are in different places all the time, then I think that constitutes a home of love. And that's also a, a reflection of how marriage has to be too. And I think that this living in community, at least for the house that I'm in, has been such a an amazing preparation for whatever vocation we end up entering into because whatever vocation is self-gift mm. and we have to learn to love others around us first purely before to, in, in order to make a home I think and that's what I have found and that includes patience accepting others faults um, and understanding that at the end of the day this community that at least we live in now is, is very transitory and very temporary so mm. if people leave it, it could you know be upset and uh my roommate and I actually had a conversation about that. Like as as we kind of think about the future, it's it's sad because it's been so good that people end up moving on. But it's like, no, all change is good. And we still have to continue to give of ourselves in spite of in spite of potential change. Sure. So yeah. I have a my uh my roommate Will, he's not uh he didn't like I'm coming from an Italian family, so there's always like just abundance of food all the time. And so I tend to make dinner every Sunday for everybody in the house, whoever's there. If there's no one there, I eat it myself. And if there's people there, then they eat it. Um, but like when I when Will first moved in, I just cooked this massive dinner. Like I know it's like, oh Will, there's food. Like we're having dinner. And he's like, oh no, no, like I don't want to eat your food. Like I'm like, no, 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 you you eat. Like you know, this is not an option. <laughs> this is you eat the food. Um and uh but I agree with you. It's like you have to you have to make it you have to everyone has to kind of work that way. And if people don't, it's like it's okay. Like you don't know what's going on sometimes. Hmm. Um but yeah, so it's a, it's always an adaptation, but it's interesting. I live with one other priest, uh, Father Chris Ford, who's the vocation director mm. of the diocese and, and, uh, he doesn't cook at all. He gets like TV dinners and stuff mm. and, um, yeah, it's not, it's not really my cup of tea. So I, I'll cook and, and it's hard to cook for one person. I don't know if you found that. It is. So I end up cooking for like, you know, six, um, it's, you know, six meals, but you don't want to eat the same thing for six meals. So I keep I telling him, do you? Yeah. I meal prep. Well, I do too. Yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, you could freeze some. Do you want? Do you want to do six days in a row? I am. Do you really? Sure. Why not? Oh, that's <laughs> like I. I, mean, I, get... I cook delicious food. It's fine. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Come on. <laughs> okay, sorry. I, okay, I'm coming to your house. Yeah. Then that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but but I keep inviting me. Oh, please eat. Please eat. Please eat. He's like, no, 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 no. He's that same way. And I'm like, no, please yeah. just eat. Like, especially because I don't pay for it. The church pays for it. So yeah, I know, right? It's not yeah, coming out of my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's also like you when you when you do serve food, it's like it's a time for everyone to come together and sit down and enjoy a meal together. There's there's so there's something very sanctifying about that. So so do do guys take take you up on it Sunday? Oh, now they do. Yeah. Well, Bobby 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 eats. So, um, but, but <laughs> you don't uh, need to tell him twice. <laughs> no, but but yeah. So we all we we try to eat. if if everyone's home, then we'll eat together probably every Sunday or another night, but generally Sunday. Yeah. And do you eat with your your roommates, Carmelina? All the time. If I'm making food one of us if one of us is making food it's just kind of a communal thing or we'll all just sit down and and we'll eat yeah it it happens pretty often nothing's planned though we just kind of like we're so close at this point it's it's funny so yeah sisters it really it's very special god was so good i had prayed i was just thinking for two years when i had moved to connecticut initially i had prayed for roommates because even though i could live on my own i didn't want to at all that's just i don't like to be alone in my own space, just by myself. It's not happy for me at all. Like, Mm. I don't like that. And so this finally just transformed and it has been such a gift. Awesome. And such a way to just be detached from my stuff that I bought because other people are using it. And it's like, someone scratches it. It's like, oh, well, it's just a thing, you know? Yeah. It's, It's a huge lesson in like detachment and patience. And I think for all of us, just because we're human and at the, our nature is self-seeking, but community challenges us to live in a selfless way. And I think that has just been so good for for all of us to just come together in community. Because it's funny now, we're so close at this point that even if we're all at a party, I'll be like, where's Lauren? Where Where's Lauren? I need to talk to Lauren. I need to tell her something. Yeah, it's just, it's so funny. Like we just end up all kind of talking to each other anyway. That's awesome. So yeah, That's it's awesome. fun. It's It's so good. And we see each other for everything that we are. And and again, yeah, what a what a great preparation for whatever vocation we end up going to. So, Diane, I mean, it's probably not hard to make your house a home because it's always been your home. But what's the dynamic between, you know, your parents and you? Do they see you as an adult or do they still kind of treat you a little bit like a kid? Yeah, I would say for the most part they do see me as an adult. Um, you know, I, I think that they, they talk to me about a lot of, you know, I talk to them about a lot of my, you know, just things that I want to bounce off of them and I find that they're doing that more you know now that I'm an adult and that you know they they value sort of my advice in my opinion um in other ways you know I mean I think the, probably the the worst thing about living at home is that you you can't uh you can't ever do anything privately you know um I don't necessarily need to tell my parents where I'm going or <laughs> what I'm doing oh. or who I'm talking to or you know who was at this event and uh what's going on with this person and uh, you know, so some of that, some of that I do wish, uh, I think that would be, you know, a benefit of, of living on my own of just kind of not having to, not having to reveal all that. But, but it's been good for me too of just like, um, getting out of sort of my own desires in that sense, you know, of like, all right, well, I don't want to do this, but I live in community. So I need to be present and, um, need to, you know, communicate and not just live in this silo. Yeah. Because I think a lot of families nowadays, uh, especially with kids and these screens and everything, I mean, I think that's a huge issue in marriages and family life is that, um, you know, there's a TV in this room, this kid's got a cell phone and they're all looking at their phones and and whatever. So you could be together. It doesn't mean that you're you're actually living sort of like home life or community life, which is which is scary and dangerous. Um, I, I think it's really important to spend time with people and be present to them. That's a great point. I mean, growing up, my parents were very good about, they said we can only play one sport a year. So of course, all of us picked either baseball or softball. So spring was was a little crazy with all five kids playing. 
But I think that was very wise because the rest of the year they wanted to have dinner together mm-hmm. every every single day, and we yeah. did five thirty every evening. Five thirty. Oh, I wish. <laughs> is that too early? Too late? Seven thirty-eight. Yeah, we, really. Yeah, was late. <laughs> but but we did the same thing. You know, seven thirty yeah. every every night. My parents, my brothers, we talked about our days and everything. And um, at that point, there was really like one TV in the house, and it was limited. And it, oh yeah, it, yeah. It was unless Red Sox off. Yankees were playing. That was the only exception to the rule. <laughs> then we could have TV on during dinner. Oh okay. Yeah. So we'd, we'd, be, we'd be finished like, by the Oriole game. <laughs> right. It's like fifteen times a year or something. So it's not very often. But yeah. Um. Yeah. But I agree. It's like you need to have that time as a family and it's really so even even at the even like when the guys have dinner together if the tv's on like it goes off like i have to turn it off like i can't have the tv on if we're eating good yeah Yeah. um and we put our phones away like no one looks at their phone and stuff unless there's a bet about some fact that needs to be researched (laughs) immediately (laughs) um i long for the days when we could have disagreements and not settle them Yeah, Thanks well, it's to fun theory. to argue about it for like an hour, and then pretty much exactly, and then and then you look it up, <laughs> and then you look it up. Well, okay. you look at the, the World Book Encyclopedia. Oh, back in the day, yeah, we actually had those. My parents still have the 1963 World Book I Encyclopedia. Think, I think we have that too. Oh my Incredible. Gosh. So, last question in the last couple of minutes that we have here, you know, really, ultimately, every home should be a sanctuary, a place where God is made presence, and of course, we're made present in one another. But in what ways have you found to to kind of make your place? Uh, Make make your place holy. I know I've blessed both of both Carmelina's and Paul's mm-hmm. residences, and I I blessed your house when I came over. You did your not. House. We, we need you. We need you back. You blessed my car though. Oh, I did bless your car. <laughs> you bless cars. Just bless, there's a is there a specific blessing for a car? Sure. Really, oh. I've, I've I was blessed, blessing for everything. I've blessed karate studios. I've blessed ice cream parlors. I've blessed all kinds of stuff. Okay, <laughs> my car is not stuffed blessed. animals. You name it. My car is not blessed. Well, he can bless we, it on the way. I out. could bless it on the way out. Yeah, mm. we gotta fix that. So in what way have you been able to make your home a sanctuary? My fiance sprays me with holy water every time he gets the chance. That's one way. <laughs> like, are you trying to say something? Sprays you? <laughs> well, like, like it has that. like the little spout and it's just, oh, yeah. It? I don't know what other word you would use for that. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that works. That works. I don't know. But I think a lot of it is just integrating prayer and Jesus into our everyday. Like we have this beautiful image of our lady in our house that's just at the center and you come in and you can't not notice her and um we have images of the sacred heart so we have that and then we have a huge table where we all eat in community and we pray and also just the people that you're with are important right the Mm -hmm. people that you're with in the house at least for me like we're trying to pursue holiness so when we all have our eyes kind of set on heaven it's like yeah we try to make the home holy by being charitable to each other so it's like an action oriented thing and it's also what we surround ourselves by what we surround ourselves by also outside of work and the life that we choose to live and lead in order to ultimately become hopefully saints one day so yeah I mean, I think it also, to Carmelita's point, I think it is important to have, like, those sacramentals around. And, I mean, we have crucifixes. We have Divine Mercy images hung up over our, our house. There is a Divine Mercy image across from where I work, a couple crucifixes. Um, you know, we're human beings, and um, we have bodies, and and we're meant to kind of those senses draw us to the divine. And I think the reminders, you know, you look up from your work, and it's like, oh, Jesus, I trust in you. Like, <laughs> it's okay if I'm upset in this moment with this, with, with this coworker, like, you know, 
know, keep my eyes on eternity type of thing. So I think it's important to like adorn your house and, and obviously then to, to engage in, in prayer, um, in community. I know growing up, we said the rosary together before mass every Sunday and, um, prayers before, like when we were elementary school prayers in the morning, you know, before we all went off. So that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the same. Um, yeah, I think uh, with the guys, it's a little bit more where everything has to be like, to some extent, has to, we have to be doing something if we're going to do something. We always have to be, we don't like, uh, for us, we don't just, it's rare that we'll just sit around and talk. Mm-hmm. We always have to be doing something. Sure. Even if it's drinking a beer. As most men. Right. Yeah. And so that that's that's part of it. But I mean, under those circumstances, the conversations can go anywhere. So yeah, I'm sure, um, that's, sure you have some. And we have like, obviously we have like statues and images and all that kind of stuff around the house. Um, I'm sure there's some theology that gets talked about. Yeah, generally by me. <laughs> uh, That's fair. That's yeah, fair. but um, but yeah, it's uh, it's good. Awesome. We keep that. So thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. My challenge for you is to make your house a home by being present to the people that you're with and truly loving them through self-gift. And also make your home a sanctuary, a place where Christ is invited and welcomed because he is the true head of all of our homes if we let him. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM and also 103.5 FM. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time.